Tax time is a coming. Should you think about filing a tax extension? Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Andrew Schwartz. His Boston-based tax practice specializes in the tax issues affecting healthcare professionals. Andrew is also the founder of the MD Taxes Network, an affiliation of CPAs who cater to physicians and their practices. Andrew, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks a lot. Andrew, how good are, are we doctors at getting our taxes actually done on time? Well, I, I would say that you have the group of doctors who come in early and try to get it done right at the beginning of February, and then you get the procrastinators who come in end of March, beginning of April, trying to get it done around the due date. And then you have the bunch who are more interested in the October 15th. I think I fall into the ladder and my accountant just knows to always file an extension for me because I'm, I'm never ready. Well, but that can be a little bit of risky business. Please tell me why. So basically, whenever you owe money to the government after April 15th, first off, they're going to charge you interest. As you know, the, the government is, what, about $10 trillion in debt? Right. They, I think they need some cash. Yeah. and they, Well, and they're paying interest on their debts. Right. To China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to China. So they want you to pay interest if you owe them money after April 15th. But there's also a chance of being penalized. Uh-huh. There's two levels of penalties. The first is if you owe money after April 15th, subject to, to different limitations, uh, you might be subject to a penalty equal to a half percent per month. Is there a chance that they may owe me money? Do doctors ever get money back for their practices? Yeah, yeah. So it depends on your withholding and your estimates paid in during the year. Uh, and if they owe you money, actually, they do pay you interest. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. And they pay at a pretty competitive rate. So April 15th, how firm is that? April 15th is not firm at all. Okay. Um, so Good to know. around April 15th, if there's no way that you can get your paperwork done, uh, all you need to do is send in this form 4868. Oh, yes, the, the 4868. 4868. And you can get that at irs.gov, and it's an automatic extension. You send it in, and you automatically extend the due date for submitting your paperwork. Mm hmm. October 15th. So I don't even need my accountant to do it if I wanted to do it myself. Yeah, except you might want your accountant to do it because sure. what we do in my office here is we try to figure out whether the client will owe money because the 4868 is actually a payment voucher. Mm-hmm. So if the client owes money, we try to have them pay what we think they owe with the filing of the extension. Is there something magical or mystical or special about doctors' taxes that makes it difficult for an accountant? Well, I would say what makes it most difficult when dealing with a bunch of physicians and other healthcare professionals is a lot of them are involved with small practices. Mm -hmm. And when you're involved with a small practice, the tax return for the practice has to get done before the tax return for the individual can get done because a partnership or an S-corporation has to produce this form called the K-1, which basically is the income from the entity that you would need to report on your tax return. You said S-corp, and I've always been confused about the difference between an S-corp and a C-corp. Is there a way you could teach me that quickly? Uh, yeah, a C-corp is like any of the large corporations traded on the um, public stock exchange or something like that. It's an entity that pays its own taxes. While an S-corporation is a small business corporation, and an S-corporation is essentially a flow-through entity, so basically all your deposits for your practice go into the S-corp. Mm-hmm. The S-corp pays all the expenses, <clears throat> and whatever profit is left over... The S-Corp doesn't pay taxes on that income. That income flows over to your personal tax return, and you pay taxes on the income. Andrew, are there special taxes that doctors need to pay? Let's say if you're a dermatologist and you sell stuff in your practice, like you make up your own concoctions of meds and you sell them to patients. Do you or should you be paying sales tax on that? You should most likely be paying sales taxes. And, and are they? <laughs> well, I know up here in Massachusetts, they're very aggressive about making sure that companies that are selling a product in this state 
register to collect sales tax and to remit sales taxes. I know some of the other states around here, like New York and states like that, are very aggressive. The litmus test is if you go into a CVS and you buy an equivalent product and they charge you sales tax there, mm-hmm. you should probably be charging sales taxes from your patients. Now, the big issue is, you know, when you file your tax return, there is a three-year statute of limitations. If you file the paperwork, the government has three years to say, listen, I think you uh, made a mistake. Let's take a look at this thing. If you never file the form, the statute never starts. So if you're supposed to be collecting sales taxes and you don't, and you don't file a form saying that you collected no sales taxes during the month, they can go back from the day you started selling products asking for money. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. My guest today is Andrew Schwartz, a CPA and founder of MD Taxes Network, which is an affiliation of CPAs who cater to us, doctors. And we're talking about taxes and when to file an extension, if we should file an extension. Andrew, audits, how common are they these days? Uh, I'm under the impression that there's nobody at the government auditing and that they're rare. Am I correct? Uh, You are no longer correct. Okay. Um, So (laughs) previously, it used to be that next to nobody was audited. And I would say that went on until about 2003, 2004. I started practicing in 1987. And between 1987 and 2003 or so, we had two clients audited total. But they definitely stepped up their audits the last couple of years, we've had about a half dozen of our clients audited each year. But the IRS, they do target certain groups. And according to what they said at a meeting I went to, if you make more than a million dollars, you have a one in 20 chance of being audited. All right. So uh, any internist or general practitioner listening to the show doesn't have to worry about that. Uh, That's one in 20. So how about a how about just a, a small practice where nobody's making near that kind of money? Well, then the second threshold is anybody who's self-employed or who has their own practice, 3% chance of being audited. Okay. One in 33. And then everybody else, what do you think? One in 100. One in 100. That's right. All right. Good. Excellent. So we shouldn't live in fear is what I'm hearing. No. No. <laughs> we but, should but, live in fear. But if you do get a letter that you're being audited, so if the IRS sends you something yeah. saying that you've been selected for an audit, and then the IRS agent comes out and says, listen, we're going to audit you, but it's totally random that you got picked, they're fibbing to you. Basically, they don't want any audits where there isn't a change. What are the red flags? What are the things that perk their interest? When you file your tax return, if you're self-employed and you do not have an entity like an S-corporation or a multi-member LLC, if you file your own tax return and you, you include the sole proprietor form, you put on there the ID number for a physician so the IRS knows that you are you're a physician. And they want to see that your profit exceeds a certain percentage of your collections. And I think it's like 25 or 30% of your collections. So if you go and you collect $300,000 and you show that your, your revenues are 300000 they're going to want to see at least 90000 of profit. Well, you're calling it profit. Another person might call that income. Income, profit. So on the form, you put your collections, and then you have all your overhead expenses. And they're going to want to see that the final number probably exceed 25, 30% of that income. What is your responsibility, Andrew, when one of your clients gets audited? Are you also kind of being audited? Or do you do you kind of guarantee their audit? No, it's very interesting. Um, unless we give some really bad advice, all the risk and liabilities of an audit fall on the taxpayer. And the auditor will, even says, the taxpayer, they should have reviewed the return, that they signed the return, they know what they're signing. So the taxpayer is the one who, who's taking on all the risk, even if there's a professional preparer involved. So you have no you have no culpability. Well, unless we make a mistake, right? Well, we give advice that's not correct. And then my question is, what does an audit cost me? Do you have fees for me when I'm audited? Uh, yeah, the way it works in my practice is we charge 
our clients to do their tax returns or to do whatever other work in connection with their practices. And if they get audited, uh, we keep track of our time in addition to all the other work we've done. So we don't offer audit insurance. It's, it's a separate service that we provide. Is there such an animal? Yeah, H&R Block does it, and they do it because so few clients are being audited. It, it's a cash machine. Right, one in a hundred. Yeah, that's, a, that's pretty good odds. Yeah, I think they charge, um, I don't know, like $40, $45 or something like that. So they're getting $4,000 for every hundred people yeah. to do an audit. And, it's good business. Yeah, it's good, yeah, smart. Um, let's get back to tax extensions because someone may have joined us later in the show. When does April 15th mean April 15th? When do they really enforce that? Well, for the most part, the April 15th deadline is very flexible. As we said, you can file an extension to buy an extra six months of time. But when it comes to funding your IRAs for the year, uh, April 15th means April 15th. So the government gives you until April 15th to put money in a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA um, if your income is low enough, and that due date is firm. Are there any strange or unorthodox reasons uh, someone would file for an extension besides just not being ready? Yeah, there's a great reason to file for an extension. Um, basically, when you file for an extension, you're giving yourself six more months to, to fund your retirement plan for the prior year. Okay. And actually, if you don't even have a retirement plan, you're giving yourself six more months to set up a SEP IRA as well. So a common strategy uh, that our clients use here from time to time is to they pay the taxes that they, they're going to owe by April 15th, and then they use the remaining six months to fund their retirement plan for the prior year. And they, you actually have all the way until October 15th to completely fund your retirement plan and deduct that amount on your prior year's tax return. Gotcha. It's a great strategy. What are your clients doing in uh, Massachusetts in terms of pension plans? Does anyone have one anymore, or is that a dinosaur? A pension plan? Um, <laughs> Well, first of all, we deal mainly with small practices, so most of our practices have some version of the 401k plan, especially if they have staff. But interestingly enough, we do have clients who have small practices who are adding pension plans again. They're adding these things called defined benefit plans, and if the demographics of the healthcare professional and the staff is just right, these defined benefit pension plans allow the owner to put away a lot more money for their retirement without putting away much more money for this staff. Right. We, we had one for two years, and then times got a little tough, and it was, it was just unaffordable. Oh, really? So you had a... Uh... I did have a defined benefit pension plan. Had it for two years, and it was just, it was killing me. Did I, you find I mean, that, the, that the fees were high with the thing as well? The fees were high. The actuary that was involved was high, and it was just, so we went back to just a 401k, and it's, uh, I'm happier to do it. Yeah. The one client I'm thinking about is a woman who just turned 50. She's going to be practicing for 10 more years, and her staff is all in the 20s. Right. And she actually started late, so she really needs to put away as much as she can. If people out there are listening, give a little kind of tease how much money you can actually sock away in a defined benefit for yourself. I think she was, she, it was going to be over 100000 It was wow. like 110000 per year between the defined benefit and her 401k. I actually don't know what the maximum is off the top of my head. That is impressive. But there's this whole group of people out there who design these more sophisticated plans for Mm -hmm. people. But as you found out, what you want to set up is something that you're going to be able to live with for a number of years. Right. When times get tough and the revenue's not there anymore and you're taking out loans or borrowing on your home equity loan to fund your pension plan, that's not a good idea. No, no. The only one making money off that is the investment advisor. Right. So let's say I file an extension again I'm paying a little bit of juice to the government, but not much. So it's not a terrible loan. Well, actually, but there's three levels. So if you go and you file an extension, and the amount of taxes that you owe is less than 10% of your total tax liability for the mm-hmm. year, you're in good shape, and the IRS will only charge you interest. 
if you owe more than 10%, then they're going to charge you interest plus this half percent per month penalty. Now, somehow, an extension is never filed. You forget to file the extension or your accountant doesn't file an extension. The failure to pay penalty changes over to a failure to file penalty of 5% per month mm. on the balance due. That doesn't sound good. No. And it, that adds up. Months. Yeah. Andrew, any final thoughts you want to share with all the doctors listening to besides that they should call you at MD Taxes Network? Um, yes, with April 15th right around the corner, make sure to file something with the IRS. <laughs> so if you can't get your returns done by the 15th, don't forget to send in your extension. Super. Excellent. So, Andrew Schwartz, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. You've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM157. To comment or to listen to our full library of podcasts, please visit us at our website, reachmd.com. And if you register with the promo code RADIO, we'll give you six months free of streaming ReachMD that you can listen to anytime you want at home or at your office. And thanks for listening. 